Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. If it's a question in your mind, I wanted to answer it for you. It might not be a question in your mind, but spiritual warfare is real. Demons, angels, they're real. There is a spiritual war going on for um, your life. A, a battle, a spiritual battle that is it's good versus evil. And the battle is for your life. The battle is for your soul. It's for your joy. It's for your purpose it's for your peace it's for your family the battles for your children the battles for your grandchildren impact church and my personal family are on the front lines of this battle we're on the front lines the 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 powers of darkness has a target on our backs because we're on the front lines I know this might be crazy for some of y'all, but just hang with me. Like, like witches and warlocks and the church of Satan is, they're targeting us. They're, they're, they're targeting us. They're praying against us. They're casting spells against us. I had, I had a church member this last week, just, just a few days ago. Tell me. You're not even going to believe this. I had a church member tell me, someone that I know and I ran into down at the arena, PT, I was sitting in church. And as I was sitting there, the whole time you were preaching God's word, the entire time, somebody was sitting next to me, drawing demons, and devils the entire time. And even PT even drew a picture of you with, with devil horns on your head. And so I, I just wanted to open up today by saying that any of you that you want to draw horns on me and you want to cast spells on me and you want to come against me with the darkness of hell, I just wanted you to know that I love you. And that I'm so glad that you're here. And please, please do me a favor and bring all of your friends next Sunday because we know something that you might not know that when you get into the presence of God Almighty that you will never and I mean never ever be the same because when you get into the presence of God you will be set free because when you get into the presence and the power of God you will experience real power real power the true living power of Jesus Christ Come on, somebody. And and nothing, nothing compares to the power of Jesus Christ. It's not that darkness doesn't have power. Because it does. But it's no comparison compared to the power of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse six, it says, no one is like you, Lord. You are great and your name, your name, your name is mighty in power. You know, in Mark 16, it declares that we 
Men and women of God, men and women of Jesus Christ have the power to cast out demons in Jesus' name. So I welcome y'all. You're in the right place. Romans chapter 8, it says this. I know this is a wild way to start a sermon. But Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says, I'm convinced. Look at somebody and tell them I'm convinced. It's, I'm convinced that nothing. Somebody say nothing. nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above or in the earth, below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name, and we thank you that we have power. We have true power. We have resurrection power within us, God, that we have that same power that brought you back to life is the same power that gives us life, true life, real life. God, we pray that you would speak to us through your word today. God, that you would challenge us, encourage us, and God, most importantly, set us free in jesus name we all say amen 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 look at somebody and say i'm gonna learn a little bit more about love today i'm gonna learn a little bit more about love today today i'm gonna preach the second part the second half of what i preached last week and it is a message titled love never fails and last week i started by reading in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to read it again, starting in verse 4. I want you to read with me. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perveres. Love never fails. Look at somebody and tell them love never fails. Love never fails. Now, last Sunday, we looked at a few of these concepts. We looked at love is patient. We talked about patience and that love is not easily angered and that love is kind and love is humble. And today being Part two and the second half, I really could subtitle today's message that love is selfless. Love is selfless. Write that down if you're taking notes. Love is selfless. It says in verse five, love is not self-seeking. Say it out loud with me. Love is not self-seeking. Seeking. Look at somebody right now and tell them it is not about you seriously though. Look at somebody you don't know and tell them get your mind off yourself for a minute. For a minute. For a minute. Love is not self-seeking. And I want to talk about selflessness today because if we truly learn selflessness if we learn to be selfless there are other things within first corinthians 13 that will be automatic in other words if i'm selfless i will honor you if i'm selfless i will be kind to you if i am selfless i won't get easily angered if i'm selfless i will always Protect. If I'm selfless, I'm not going to boast or brag or be prideful. I'm going to keep my patience. And if I'm selfless, I'm not going to keep a record of wrongs. I think this is challenging because we live in a selfish world. I think we live in a selfish world, an egocentric society. Humans have a narcissistic nature. 
And I, I think narcissism is important to look at for a minute because it's defined as someone who has an excessive interest or admiration of themselves. It's somebody with an inflated sense of self-importance. I'm sorry, but I think that's like almost everybody. And we use this word narcissistic like to belittle people that hurt us. We use it flippantly. Like there's this, it's like the word of the last decade. He's a narcissist. My ex, yeah, she's a narcissist. My boss, narcissist, right? And, And we use it, but I think, Most people think that the world revolves around them, at least to some degree. There's probably degrees to this. Like, I'm not totally narcissistic, but I'm kind of a narcissistic type person. She loves herself so much, man. She loves to talk about herself all the time. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? Maybe it's every day. And you start to tell somebody something and all of a sudden, it becomes about them and their hurts and their pains and their issues and their deal and their emotions and their, that is selfish in nature. We have a narcissistic nature as humanity, as humans. And the reality is, the reality is this, is that a narcissist is self-serving. Ironically about the narcissist that says everybody else is narcissistic, they're usually the narcissist. But everybody has this element of self-absorption, selfishness. I think about me. I mean, I think about me basically all day. I'm not really worried about what you're going to eat for lunch. I'm thinking about me, my life, my fears, my pains, my insecurities, my hurts. My drama, my family situation. It's very hard to train your mind and your spirit to be selfless. And that's what God wants for us is to be selfless. And the Bible says that this selfishness is going to increase as we get to the last days. There's going to be an increase of self, self-absorption. self I want to read to you in, in, in 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will, what, what will they be? People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. If I could summarize this passage into one word, it would be the word selfishness. If you could summarize that passage, the word is selfishness. And we looked at this last week, but in Philippians chapter two, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. True love is selfless. True love, God's love, we looked at last week, it says in 1 John that God is love. God is the very definition of love. God lived an example of what love looks like. True love is selfless. It puts others first. It thinks of others better and more often than I would think of myself. I put you first. I prefer you. I defer to you. I defer my desires, my wishes, my wants, my dreams, my own emotions, my own pains, my own hurts. I'm going to defer to you. That's what selflessness looks like. You are blessed to be a blessing. Most people think they're blessed to be blessed. 
Most people think they're blessed to be blessed, but you're blessed to be a blessing. You put others first. Some of you are unhappy and you're empty and you fill this void because of selfishness. Selfishness. It's like the, the, the Dead Sea is dead. <laughs> Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. That's why we call it the Dead Sea. Somebody was brilliant with that one. And the reason the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea and nothing lives in the Dead Sea is why? The salt is not the reason. The salt is the byproduct of the reason. And yes, the salt is, it's 34% salinity level in the Dead Sea. That's why if you visited, you can float on top of the water without floaties because it is insanely salty. Okay. The Dead Sea is not the Dead Sea because of the salt. The Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because it has the river running into it, the Jordan River, and nothing running out of it. And a lot of you, you feel that void, that deadness, that the, the, the life that you wish for is because there's no outflow. There's no outflow. You're, you're, you're a taker, but not a giver. It's called selfishness. That's why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why is it more blessed? Because it's the nature of God. It's what true love looks like. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I, I want you to think today, how can you make somebody's life better today? Do it. How can you make somebody's life better tomorrow? Do it. How can you make somebody's life better on Tuesday? Do it and begin this practice of training yourself, training your mind to be selfless. Selfless. In every relationship, you should think, this is what I want you to think. In every relationship you have, you should think it's not about me. Say that out loud. It's not about me. It's not about me. Every relationship you have, you need to think it is not about me. A selfless heart is a happy heart. Listen, a selfless marriage is a happy marriage that will go the distance. It's the selfish marriage that ends. I could save you guys a whole lot of therapy, a whole lot of time, and a whole lot of money. This is the number one thing is that if I learn to be selfless, then my marriage will be healthy. Remember last week we looked at it. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Selfishness is the number one reason. The number one cause of conflict, selfishness. The number one cause of arguments, selfishness. The number one cause of divorce, selfishness. The number one cause of war, it's selfish, selfish, selfish. Most of us, when we start a relationship, we start out pretty selfless. I'm just going to give you my life. I'm here for you. All I think about is how I can make you feel amazing. And when we start out, it starts out, we really work hard at being unselfish. But as time goes on, selfishness begins to creep in. And we tend to put more energy into starting and building relationships than we do maintaining them. And selfishness kills relationships it's a taker a taker will kill the relationship selflessness makes them grow selfishness kills them healthy relationships they take work and the sad truth is is that most people don't want to put the work in so they bail out early because of selfishness 
It's too hard to give. It's too hard to give, 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 give. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I can do it anymore, PT. I just want to get selfishness. And so then we become vulnerable and then you start looking at the grass in other people's yards. And you're like, look out grass, that green, green grass looks so beautiful over there. You go to work and there's some green grass. Man, that grass is green. My grass at home looked dead. Just dry and brown. <laughs> but that grass at work, and we know all these little cute sayings, the grass is not greener on the other side. And anyway, it's just artificial turf. Because you know it ain't real. It looks good. That grass ain't real. You see that grass every now and then. You're not going home with that grass. You ain't waking up with that grass having bedhead and stank breath. Booty all smelling diarrhea. You ain't waking up with that grass. You see, this grass looks finely manicured. Every day, all day. It's fake it's not real and it probably is fake in the city we live in it's not real it's not it's not real and true love God's love you want to know what God's love looks like it looks like getting crucified to a cross it gives everything, everything. It gives everything. If you want true love, you have to learn true selflessness. Selflessness, I want you to write this down. It has three key ingredients that I want to talk about today. It has surrender, service, and sacrifice. We're going to talk about each of those. Selflessness, it requires Surrender. It requires service and it requires sacrifice. So let's look at the first one. Surrender. A selfless person must be totally surrendered to God. I'm completely surrendered to God. I live my life for God, not for Travis Hearn. That's, that's hard to do. I live my life for God, not for myself. I live my life for God, and if I'm living my life for God, then I'm living my life for you. If you're living your life for God, your life is not your own. You're living it for someone else. I am committed to a higher calling. I'm committed to a higher standard. I'm committed to a higher accountability. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's read that out loud. To live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. But if I die, I gain even more because I'm going home to be with my Savior forever. To live is Christ. To die is gain. What does it mean to live is Christ? It means, Matthew 16, 14, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him go to Impact Church and get a donut and a Butterfinger coffee and stand in the third row and gripe about how cold it is. <laughs> Jesus, he tells his disciples, if, anyone, if anyone's going to come, if anyone is going to follow, if you want to be a Jesus follower we, we use christian like it's you know our ethnicity or something we do i'm a christian 
You are? Christian means Christ-like. It means Christ follower. I'm following him. I'm following him. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I have an example, Ephesians 5, be imitators of God. That's what a Christian looks like. A Christian is selfless. If anyone would come after me, and if they're going to follow, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. I think we're getting to the day and age where we're going to see the United States of America with Christian martyrs. Are you ready for it? I am. I'm going to go down preaching. You can do whatever you want to this physical earthly temple. I ain't worried about it. I know where I'm going. I know who my savior is. I know that I've been bought with a price and that he paid the greatest price on the cross for me. I'm willing. I'm willing. Deny yourself. Your your fleshly desires. Your human nature. Your narcissistic nature. Your selfish behaviors. When you're really totally surrendered to God. You're all in for God. Selflessness becomes your new nature. I'm going to say it again. When you're totally in for God, all in, selflessness becomes your new nature. Because you can only learn true selfish, selflessness through Jesus Christ. You can only learn to be selfless by learning about what Jesus did, but also by having the infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Surrendered means I'm going to say Yes, listen to God whenever, whatever, and however. I say yes. A lot of people say yes, but they don't live yes. I say yes. Remember when Jesus said, let your, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't say yes unless you mean yes. Whatever, whenever, however, God, I say yes. Whatever, whenever, however, God, I say yes. I say yes. And it's easy to say, yeah, me too, but you don't even tithe. Because that yes is a little too costly. And you don't tithe because you're not all in for God. Because when I went all in for God... I started thinking like God's word only says give 10%. Because when you're all in, you'll give them everything. All of it. Every bit of it. Right? So yes be yes, no be no. When I'm totally surrendered, God, my yes is yes. Whenever, wherever, and however. Letter B. Or two. Number two. A selfless person is a servant. Tell someone I'm here to serve. Tell them I'm here to serve you. I know everybody's heard the phrase acts of service. I don't really like that phrase because I don't think service should be considered an action. The idea of an act of service is the idea of doing something. But the idea of a servant's heart. I like that word better, that phrase better. A servant's heart. A servant's heart is the idea of being something. Acts of service, doing something. Doing some things. But a servant's heart is being something. I see a need and fill a need. That's what a servant, listen to me, a servant's heart, it starts with seeing. I see it. I see it. I noticed something. I noticed. I'm aware. 
Because I'm a noticer. I'm seeing that need. I'm seeing what somebody needs in their life. I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. A servant's heart, (laughs) this is for all the men, does not have to be told what to do. Because we're good at telling people what to do until we get married. And then we stop seeing when it comes to the person we love the most. So a servant's heart, it starts with, it starts with seeing. A servant doesn't have to be told what to do. Jesus said in Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yo, this is profound. This is a profound statement by Jesus because he completely flips the way of the world upside down and on its head. Because the world that you and I live in, the world that we are seeing is a world that, oh, we've got to serve kings. We've got to serve queens. We've got to be servants to royalty. We've got to serve important people. Right? Well, they're powerful. Well, we must serve those people. But then comes along Jesus, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He's God in the flesh, and He flips everything upside down and He says, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve you. True love serves. It's selfless, and because it's selfless, it serves. And it's one of the fundamental keys to healthy relationships, to a healthy marriage, to a healthy family. I am here to serve. I'm here to serve my wife. I'm here to serve my children. It doesn't mean I take responsibilities from my children. You ever heard the saying, some things in life are caught, not taught? I'd like to change it. All things. In life are caught, not taught. If you want your child to learn something, be an example. That works for you and against you. If you want your child to learn Christ-like behavior, then start becoming Christ-like in your behavior. We learn to serve. I want to serve my wife. I want to serve her well. I want to serve my children. I want to serve my family. I want to serve God. I want to serve my church, not self-serve. Love is not self-seeking. Number three is that a selfless person is sacrificial. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I, I'm, I respectfully, I don't think anybody in here has the sacrifice thing figured out. None of us. I'm not saying we aren't sacrificial at times. You know what it means? To to, to sacrifice means it hurts. It hurts. I gave so much, it hurt. I gave so much, it hurt. I'll go back to the the, the giving to God, for example. You know, some of y'all give more to Starbucks on a weekly basis than you give to God. And then you throw a five bucks or a 20 bucks or a hundred bucks in every now and then. That's not sacrificial. You're out tipping the business world. You're tipping more to the business world than you are to your, your God. So I, I don't think when it comes to sacrifice, we've got this figured out, especially with the nation that we've been born into But the Bible says this in John 15, 13. Jesus said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's sacrifice. Like, man, I'm laying it down for you. I'm laying my life down, God, for you. I'm laying my life down. Sometimes the call of ministry is so heavy that I have to go back to my calling. Because when you're a leader, you get criticized and you get haters and you get naysayers and you didn't do it this way and you shouldn't look that way and you shouldn't wear those things. 
And it's not you guys. You guys are here. I love you. Thank you. Appreciate that. But like, it's all the time, every time. Certain things, hard things happen. Hard things happen. And I have to, I have to remind myself. This is what sacrifice looks like. When you don't want to do something and you do it anyway. That's sacrifice. Jesus says there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for your friends. Sacrifice. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. It, it says in Romans 12, 1, Paul said, he said, therefore, I urge you, I urge you. This is an urge. This is urgent. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Sacrifice. I offer my, my body as a living sacrifice. I'm alive. Uh, it doesn't say go out and take your life. It's saying offer your life. Surrender it to God. A living sacrifice sacrifice for God, sacrifice for your family, sacrifice. I'm not talking about giving. I'm talking about sacrifice. It's a big difference. See, there's a battle in every one of us, the sin-filled nature and the spirit-filled nature. And the sin-filled nature is the selfish nature. And the spirit-filled nature is the selfless nature. And this battle I got news for you. Never goes away. Ever. It's one of those things you go, okay, glad that one's behind me. It never goes away. And here's the bottom line is that a selfish person is trying to see what they can get. And a selfless person is trying to see what they can give. A selfish person is trying to see what I can hold on to. But the selfless person is trying to see what I can give away. In John chapter 12, there's this really cool story. I want to read it to you starting in verse 2. It says that a dinner, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. And Mary, Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance. But Judas Iscariot. Somebody say, but Judas. But Judas. A disciple who would soon betray Jesus said that perfume was worth a year's Wages. It should have been sold and the money should have been given to the poor. Not that Judas cared for the poor. He was a thief and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So this story shows two types of people. It shows the giver and the taker. It shows two types of mindsets, two types of spirits. You've got two different people. Both, both, both have been following Jesus everywhere. Both have been watching Jesus do the impossible. Both have been watching Jesus do miracles. Both have been watching Jesus heal the blind, heal the deaf, raise dead people back to life, set the demon possessed free. Both of them had a close up view. And yet there's two different types of spirits. And guess what? There's the same two spirits in this room Today, the same two. It's either a giver or it's a taker. The two types of spirits, write this down, is a merry spirit 
letter A, a merry spirit, which is a generous spirit, a spirit that sacrifices. Do you remember the story of the widow and the widow's might? I want to make sure I'm very clear on this because I think there are people who can financially give more to God than the other person sitting in the robe beside you. Fair assessment? Okay. Some of us can give more. Some of us can't give as much. One of the things I've learned is that the Bible is so true. When you think about like, I could give a hundred grand, but it might be like you giving a grand. It cost us both the same. I could tithe 10% of my income to God in one year and that tithe might be five grand. You can tithe and it should be five million, but you gave a million. And you feel good about it. You should never feel good about shortcutting God. You should never feel good about an amount. It's about the heart and the obedience to walk in the word of God. And let me say this before I continue, because tithing is not even in my notes. So somebody needs this. I don't. I don't care if if you don't want to tithe to impact church, please go find somewhere that you believe in with all your heart and start giving your tithe to that ministry because you will help God change the world and you will show God that he's number one. You have this Mary spirit. It's the widow's might spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, Jesus is sitting in the temple courts right outside and he's watching people give. And he tells his disciples, he goes, you see these rich people giving? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, we see that. You see that widow giving? Yes, Jesus, we see that. She's giving more. She gave two widows mites. She's given more than all those rich people. What does that mean? She gave more money? No, she gave more sacrifice because she gave everything she had. She gave everything she had. That's the Mary spirit. This generous spirit. Mary had a generous sacrificial. Took a bottle of perfume that cost a year's worth of wages. I, I, I mean, just think about how much you make in a year. Can everybody think about that for a minute? How many have a ballpark of what you make in a year? Just throw your hand up. If you got a ballpark of what you make in a year, this is the problem with y'all. You don't even know how much money you actually make. If you know how much ballpark you would make in one calendar year, raise your hand. I mean, it should likely be all of us. Imagine taking that Buying a bottle of cologne, a bottle of perfume, and pouring it out over the feet The value is not the perfume. The value is my savior. The value is Jesus. Mary understood what the real value was. It was Jesus, not the perfume. It was Jesus. She had a generous spirit. I don't know if I've ever met anybody in my life. I really don't. That said, PT, I'm going to give a year's worth of wages to God right now. Well, how are you going to live? I don't know, but I know I want to do it for my savior. Then you have the other type of spirit in this story. And it is the Judas spirit, the selfish spirit, the selfish spirit. 
Judas, he had this greedy, self-absorbed, lover of money, life's all about me spirit. And when Mary pours out this expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus, he loses his mind, but for all the wrong reasons. He said that perfume, dude, what are you doing? That perfume is expensive. What, what are you, that is expensive. It's you, it's worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and given to the poor. Judas didn't care about the poor. He was a fraud. He didn't even care about the poor. He, he, he's putting on a front and he's using the reason of the poor to try to shave more off for himself. It's selfish. And you know what I've noticed? Hypocrites always hide behind criticizing others. Frauds always try to point out other people's flaws. And he's saying... I don't understand why you would do that. That's crazy because he was a fraud. He was selfish. He was a taker. Now remember, he's one of the 12 disciples. He was in charge of the money for the ministry of Jesus. And he was stealing from it. Greedy, selfish. And it was the very same selfishness. And greed that eventually brought him down. Because we know that he loved money so much. This is some people in here. You love money so much. Money is your God. Stop fooling yourself. Like, no, I love God. No, you serve and you're a slave to money. And money was his God. And he loved money so much that he made a deal with some people who wanted Jesus dead. Hey, Judas, can you tell us where Jesus is? This became a business deal. For some of y'all, everything's a business. The church is not a business deal. God is not a business deal. God is not a business deal. God is God. I, I'm a little bit passionate about this because like, I'd, I'd really like to build a permanent home for Impact Church. Like, I'd, I'd really like to build a permanent home. There's going to be, you guys don't even know this. By the day's end, there will have been 8,000 people here today. Okay, listen, I can't keep adding services. I had a stroke a year ago. Praise God, I'm rocking. I can't keep adding services. Well, guess what? We happen to live in Scottsdale. Do you know how much land costs? In Scott, do you even know that there has not been a brand new church built in Scottsdale, Arizona in almost 30 years? It's like, okay, well, let's do a campaign and let's do it. If everybody tithed their 10%, we wouldn't even need a campaign. I'll give you an example. 17 acres of dirt. Where we were, where we kind of got our eyes on dirt, $30 million dirt, or we could move to the West Valley. We can move impact church out to right, you know, just shy of East LA. (laughs) And we could get 17 acres for a couple million bucks. I've often wondered because of our disobedience, do we limit what God's actually trying to do in this city? Because of our selfishness. 
And I've learned that the more money people have, the more they kind of control it. They try to. Keep your money. I got news for you. This church was growing before you got here, and it's going to keep growing if you leave here. It's not about you. It's just not about you. And by the way, some of the churches that were built almost 30 years ago, their land was donated to the church. 20 acres, 30 acres. You say, well, we just moved in this building. Yeah, I know that kind of thought we'd be here like 10 years. I didn't know we'd outgrow it in the first year. That's not my fault. That's your fault. You keep bringing people. I don't gamble, but man, that lottery went up over a billion dollars the other day. And I told my wife, should I go to the liquor store and get like a lotto ticket? And she was like, Trav, you don't have to go to a liquor store to buy a lottery ticket. Like you can get them at the grocery store. Me and my son and my wife were talking about like, well, what would you do if you, I said, you know what I'd do? Nobody would know. First of all, nobody would know. Nobody, nobody would know. Second thing, the next move, I'm building the baddest, you know what, church on the planet, cash. And nobody would know. I'd be like, hey, praise God, we had some donor in the church. I don't need to tell you it was me. And I wouldn't. A Judas spirit, man, it's just this selfish taker and they come to him and they go Judas where is Jesus well I'll tell you where Jesus is for 30 pieces of silver deal deal Judas made a deal with the devil he made a deal he he traded his bowl of stew for his birthright never and I mean never trade a moment of pleasure for a lifetime of pain Jesus said, for what will it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world yet lose his soul? The story didn't stop with Judas getting paid. Hello? The story didn't stop with Judas getting paid. Because after Jesus was arrested and tried, Judas was so ashamed and he was so guilty that he went and he threw the 30 pieces of silver into the church, into the temple, and then he went out and he hung himself. He had a selfish spirit. What's the underlying issue? He had a selfish, greedy spirit. And God wants us to have a merry spirit. A merry spirit. I'm going to give it all to you, God. I'm going to give it all. There are givers and there are takers Which one are you? There are givers and there are takers. Which one are you? Selfishness is a disease that we can be healed of. Selfishness, it kills your soul. It kills your purpose. It kills your peace. It kills your joy. Maybe you're here today and and like Judas, you've done some things that you're ashamed of. You've done some things that you feel guilty about. The good news about Jesus Christ. Are you ready for this? If you're ready, see, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for the good news is love keeps no record of wrongs. This is for you and from you. This is one of those for you and from you verses. This is one of those in you and through you verses. God forgives you. God loves you. God keeps no records of your wrongs. And you must forgive. And you must not keep a record of wrongs either. Forgive. Listen, one of the most selfless and sacrificial things that you will ever have to do in your life is to forgive Someone who hurt you. Forgive someone who broke you. Forgive someone who betrayed you. But Jesus said, 
if you forgive others the wrongs that they have done to you, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. The second part. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive the wrongs you have done. Hey, there's some deep theological stuff in here. Because I think we think like, oh, Jesus died and our sins are forgiven. He says, if you don't forgive others, if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive the wrongs that you have done. We have to forgive. It's not easy, but we have to forgive. We have to forgive because God forgave us. 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins to God, he will keep his promise and do what is right. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all of our wrongdoing. Hey, listen, God forgives you. God's forgiveness is for you. Guess what else? God's forgiveness was even for Judas. Guess what else? God's forgiveness was even for his killers. In Luke 23, it says, when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified Jesus with all the criminals, along with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness. Would you forgive the person murdering you? Would you forgive the person who sold you out to be murdered? His forgiveness is for all. His forgiveness is for all. You ever heard somebody say like, how could God forgive somebody who murdered somebody? I don't know how. All I know is he did. All I know is that he did. And a life of Selflessness is a life of surrender. It is a life of service and it is a life of sacrifice. And I don't know about you, but I long for the day, one day when I stand in front of Jesus and he says to me from Matthew 25, he says, Travis, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You've served well. Would you pray with me? Jesus said, well done now, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. My prayer for our church family is that we become a church that's selfless. A church with a heart that is about others. That it's a church that's not self-seeking. God, that that we become a church with a heart of total surrender. With a heart to serve. With a heart that is sacrificial, God. That when we give, it hurts. But God, that's the love that you showed us. That you loved the world so much that you gave your your most prized possession. You gave your one and only son to die for us. To pay the price for our sins. That whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting, will have eternal life. God, be in your presence forever. God, we're thankful for your word from the Bible that you cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. God, your words from the Bible that you throw our transgressions into the depths of the sea. Your word from the Bible that you remember our sins no more. God, we're thankful for your words where you said if anyone comes to Christ, They're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Listen today. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to come to Christ. Maybe you need to surrender today.
this is your moment. God, I want to surrender my life to you today. I've been surrendered to myself. I've been surrendered to my own flesh. I've been surrendered to my own desires. I've been selfish in my nature. I've been narcissistic in my... Today, God, today, I want to lay down my life for yours. Because you gave up your life for mine. If that's you today, just with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, you say today, PT, I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Would you lift your hand right now? Today, I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Come on, lift it high. Anybody else today, right here, right now, you're speaking to me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And if your hands are raised, I want you to, I want you to pray from your heart, from your mouth. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. That's what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Confess with your mouth. Believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. Will you do it? Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, your Lord. It doesn't say think in your head. It says confess with your mouth. The mouth holds the power of life and death. Confess with your mouth. Jesus, you are my Lord. I confess you as Lord today. I surrender my life to you. And I want to start living selflessly for you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. God, help us to forgive others. I pray for the person listening to this who you've been hurt deeply. God sees your pain. God sees it. God wants to heal it. But the path to healing, it begins with forgiveness. You'll be made whole again. I know it hurt. God knows. God saw every detail. God saw every moment. But we forgive. It's the hardest thing you'll ever have to do in your life. Is to forgive anyway. But I'm telling you, when you walk in forgiveness and you just let God you're going to be filled with that peace that surpasses all human understanding. So God, we forgive today. We forgive because the truth is we've all been hurt. And the other truth is, is we've all hurt people. Because frankly, hurt people hurt people broken people tend to break people but that's why we have our good God and we put our trust and our hope in our great physician the healer of our souls the mender of our hearts God we step out of the comfort zone of this boat we step out of bitterness we we, we step out of resentfulness We step into forgiveness and healing once and for all. The Bible says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. 
That's a promise. He's near. He binds up our wounds and makes us whole again. God, I pray that you'd be with my church family today. I pray that you would be with the people of Impact Church who are all over the world. We pray for your love, your favor, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your protection. God, we want to follow you. We want to deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.